By the closing decades of the 19th century, a growing number of scientists and other intellectuals were coming to the conclusion that only physical phenomena, those successfully observed and understood by science, were real. It was at this point in history that the scientific study of the mind began, a full 300 years after the scientific revolution. Since philosophers and theologians had failed to fathom the nature of the human psyche and spirit, scientists were ready to step in and complete their understanding of the natural world by including the subjective mind that had produced all objective scientific knowledge. The history of science is marked by competing perspectives on which individuals and traditions of the past are authorities regarding the nature of reality and the distinction between appearances and reality. These two issues have always been closely interrelated. During the late medieval period in Europe, the Bible was widely regarded, under pain of death, as an infallible authority on the whole of reality. Aristotle, as infallible on the world of nature, and Euclid, as infallible on the axioms and theorems of geometry. Despite the many incompatibilities between the Christian and the scientific worldviews, in the 13th century, Thomas Aquinas ingeniously synthesized them into a single coherent perspective that dominated European thought until the Renaissance. With regard to celestial phenomena, the sun, moon, planets, and stars, the mainstream intelligentsia of the scholastic era from the 13th century to the 16th century were solidly behind Ptolemaic astronomy, which was based on such Aristotelian principles as the perfect immutability of these objects and their movement in perfect circles. Appearances that corresponded to those principles, such as the apparent movement of the sun around the earth, were accepted at face value, whereas incompatible appearances, such as the occasional retrograde movement of planets, were regarded as misleading. Their true, or essential, movements had to be understood in terms of the perfectly circular motion explained by epicycles and eccentrics. As more precise empirical observations were gradually made, more and more epicycles and eccentrics had to be conjured up to account for discrepancies between appearances and the Aristotelian principles of nature. Then Copernicus, without making any significant empirical discoveries of his own, suggested a different perspective on the appearances of the relative movements of the sun, earth, and planets he proposed that the appearance of the sun moving around the earth was an illusion and devised a mathematical theory for a heliocentric configuration of celestial phenomena. His theory accounted for observed phenomena at least as well as the Ptolemaic theory, while shifting the distinction between appearances and reality. But Copernicus was a devout Christian, living in an era when his own church was putting heretics to death and condemning them to eternal damnation. When faced with the choice of publish or perish, he opted to perish first and publish later, thereby avoiding scrutiny by the Inquisition and securing his blessed tenure in the hereafter. 
Copernicus provided a plausible alternative to the Ptolemaic theory of celestial phenomena that accounted for the same appearances with greater mathematical economy and simplicity. But to many intellectuals of his time, this was insufficient reason for abandoning the safe scholastic fusion of biblical and Aristotelian authority. Prior to Copernicus, there was a striking discrepancy. Theorizing about celestial phenomena was done by highly trained professionals, including mathematicians, philosophers, and theologians, while empirical observations of celestial phenomena were left largely to amateur sky-gazers, relying on their unaided faculty of visual perception. Even Tycho Brahe's meticulous observations, which provided Johannes Kepler with the empirical data he used to formulate his three laws of planetary motion, were based on naked-eye perception. But there seemed no need to refine the methods of observation, for appearances were thought to be largely misleading. Even if more precise methods were devised, the empirical data would still be illusory, just as the close interrogation of a clever, consistent liar would bring one no closer to the truth. <laughs>